Hello and welcome to the Chronic Living Podcast, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness, as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So join me in shining a light on the world that is chronic living. Hi guys, thank you for joining me for another episode. Today I am joined by Mariah, and she's going to share some of her experiences being part of the chronic community. Thank you for joining me. Hi, it's great to be here. Um, so, as you know, my name is Mariah. Um, I live in Canada, actually. I have some, it's a little complicated. I was born with a, spine, a high cervical spinal cord injury. So when I was born, when um, the doctor pulled on my head a little too much and not quite broke my spine, but tried. Um, yeah. Well, that doesn't and, sound good. No, it's not helpful. Um, so I have a couple of different things and it all ties back to this injury. I have uh, central hyperventilation syndrome and it looks like congenital central hyperventilation syndrome. It looks exactly exactly the same. Um, so your body doesn't automatically breathe? It doesn't automatically breathe. I have to think to breathe. There um, are a lot of CCHS members in diversibility. I'm not going to lie. That would probably be about that would probably be about Nico because he yep. knows everybody. Yep. Um, yep. I, I did an interview with uh, him and, and someone else the other day too. So <laughs> yeah. Um so oh yeah, there's so I have to think to breathe. I yep. I actually have a tracheostomy. Um so it means I have a tube that goes right into my throat and into mm -hmm. my trachea. So I can okay. get air in. And so I hook up my ventilator to the tube um, when I need help to breathe. So when I'm at night, especially when I'm going to bed <laughs> and then I use it when I'm sick or when I'm tired um, or just that's, that's kind of why I use that. It's, I have, I also have a physical disability because spinal cords. <laughs> um, I have, I also have a kind of looks like cerebral palsy. It's not, it's not cerebral palsy, but people sometimes think it is. I have trouble walking. Um, my right side is significantly weaker than my left. Um, so I, I have a hard time standing and also, and just kind of moving around. And my lungs are generally a mess. <laughs> well, I have also have something called, it's just like chronic lung disease and bronchiectasis. So my lungs just are often filled with fluid. So if, I, if you hear me like hacking up a lung, it's fine. It happens all the time. It's normal. It's it's all right. It's, it's not all right, but it's normal. Yeah, yeah I say I've, I've been saying that I need to like walk around with a sign that says I swear I don't have COVID because like <laughs> this happens to me regularly. Like I'm, I'm taking oh. university classes right now and like I'm in person and I'm sitting there and I just start to kind of sputter and everybody kind of looks at me like I'm, I'm not dying. I promise. <laughs> this is normal it's this not is, fun but it's normal it's normal i'm not contagious so, so yeah <laughs> so that's kind of about me so lungs I, that don't work and don't work on their own don't work and don't work on their own. sounds like a good combo <laughs> oh yeah it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting time for sure <laughs> yeah it's uh, the funny thing is is though when i was younger um like I've had this my whole life. I was born I, like I was born with this. This has always been a problem. Um, so and how old I, are you now? I'm 26. Sorry. 26, okay. 26 years good? old. Yeah. Um, so I like when I was younger, my parents really focused on my medical stuff, which makes sense. You're not breathing. That's not good. 
Yeah, yeah. So, but to me, that was normal. What caused me the most problem was actually my physical stuff, because that was the stuff people noticed at school. And that seemed to be the, the things that like interfered with my life on the like on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and so it wasn't until I was maybe oh maybe eight years old or so I came home and I was really upset I was like why don't my legs work didn't care about my lungs it was my legs that were annoying me <laughs> so now out of curiosity if all of this stems back from the doctor when yeah. when you were born what was there anything that ever came or like happened to the doctor at all because essentially caused all this nothing nothing happened at all my parents did try to well sue them they did Mm -hmm. try but the thing is is that this is i'm not sure if this is true in the states but this is at least true in canada and specifically in the province i live um but there's like a fine print written in the law somewhere that says if you're trying to it's like sue for a birth injury, then you have to do it within the first year of life. I wasn't actually discharged from intensive care until a week, literally a week to the day before my first birthday. They didn't have time to deal with lawyers. So they yeah. tried to do it later. I think somewhere around the time that I came home and was annoyed about how I couldn't walk, actually. Um, and... <laughs> So they did try to deal with it. They did hire a lawyer and they went through this whole thing. And it essentially, and I, but it did have to be kind of thrown out because the, 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 yeah, the time frame had expired. So, so you, were, you were in the hospital for like the first year after you were born? Yeah, in, uh, oh. yeah, in intensive care, in pediatric intensive care. I uh, was, yeah, they, like, they couldn't figure out why I wasn't raising. Like I came out and I was like, I wasn't I'm not sure if I looked like stillborn but like I was just kind of floppy and not breathing and so um which caused all sorts of chaos which makes sense and so well yeah baby's not breathing it's generally not a good thing no I wasn't moving around I wasn't doing anything and so um so they had to crash intubate me and so I was intubated for five weeks and then they trached me because I wasn't breathing on my own yet um I eventually started to breathe kind of more spontaneously while I was awake once up and I had about three months I think one like one one lung kicked in later than the other which is sounds weird but that's just how it worked out um yeah um but I was in ICU for up until a year up until I was a year old I actually found a photo that was taken like while we were like leaving the hospital and the date was written on it. It was, the date was November 9th of 1995. I was born November 16th of 1994. Oh, so you were there for for a little while. Just a bit. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just a little bit. Um, there's, my, my mom had to go back to work while I was still inpatient and uh, the, like she really didn't want to go back to work. And the nurses, and I think maybe a doctor in there all said to her, they're like, Sarah, you have the most high qualified daycare anybody could possibly get, go away. <laughs> we will be okay, we'll be fine. 
my mom actually worked in the same hospital I was in. And so it was like, go away. We'll be okay. They're not that far. So. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's good. Plus, I mean, Canada has like universal health care, right? So yeah, everything's covered. Yeah. So everything, yeah. For the, for the most part, we do have some weird things about our healthcare system. Like, um, like everything's covered, which is good. Like my ventilator is like covered. I don't have to pay for that. And like all those, um, all my crazy doctor visits, I don't have to pay for, for the most part. Um, and, but like, I, a lot of people I know who have like the like CCHS, the congenital version, they have like backup equipment. I didn't have that. I only had one. So if it broke in the middle of the night, I was screwed. Um, because just the way the system worked out. Um, yeah, but it, so that was because of the public system part. They didn't want to give me to. Yeah. Well, well, I always, I always ask because I mean, in America, yeah, you had to spend a year in the hospital. That would cost a lot of money. Your family is just automatically broke now for yeah. like the rest of their life so, because yeah. of how how expensive it is. So that's, I mean, I know the uh, the doctor caused a lot of your issues, but thankfully it didn't cost. On top of the issues the financial future of, of yourself and, and, you know, your family. Cause that's, that's a big thing here. Like, yeah. I mean, I have a ton of medical debt and not even from hospital visits, just from my infusions that I get for my colitis because yeah. of the cost that's associated with them. So, um, so I'm, I always ask because I'm curious, I'm like, man, at least the financial cost of it's so much less everywhere else. Yeah. The financial cost at least is definitely less. Um, like there's like weird weird things that like crop up because yeah just like things that like fall in the crack with cracks between public service and private sector and like it's like okay we are paying out of pocket for my liquid formula for 18 years that was like it was a medical grade um stuff but my insurance wasn't going to pay for that so anyway just weird stuff happens <laughs> so yeah that's fair that is fair. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Think of what else. So, so you go to school. You have a job that you work. No, I actually uh, I don't at the moment. I was working in the public school system mm -hmm. here, um, and for like six months, I was in school school up until 2019. I graduated that year, and then I started working in the school system. And then there was a pandemic and I have crappy lungs. I had to quit sure. my job and stay home. So, um, so I did that for like a year and a bit. Um, and then I actually got back into school. Now I'm in school um, to be a teacher. So I'm like in teacher college now. I got my bachelor's degree in history. So in teacher school. <laughs> I'm in teacher school, yeah. <laughs> For, it's the funniest that yeah, it is. Where teachers funny. go to learn to be teachers. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> it's the funniest things because, like, I got my history degree, and in history, they really train you. They're essentially training you to do like a master's or a PhD. Um, but now I'm in like teaching, like education, and it's very different. And I'm 
and I'm still trying to wrap my head around just kind of the way it's structured, mm. <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just over the past like month and a half, it's just been kind of ridiculous because between the pandemic and there's kind of all those stuff that kind of I've been, it's just been a mess because where I live for some reason, our COVID cases have really spiked, but all of my classes are in person. Nothing is being taught remotely. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in these rooms with like, I think there's 80 people in one of my classes and we're in one of these rooms. Like you can't really spread out at all. And I'm just like, this is not a good idea. So, um, and like I'll have, I have all of my medical doc, medical information on, <laughs> on a file with like disability services at my university. Mm-hmm. And I called them and I was like, is there anything we can do about this? Because like, this isn't just me being a nervous wreck. This is, you know, medical an issue. This is an actual issue. Yeah. And, and their short, well, essentially their answer was no. There's nothing you can do about it. You signed up for in-person classes. There you go. Bye. It's like, what? Yeah, that's kind of kind of messed up. Yeah. So I had one professor who was being really nice about it. And then, but just the way one of my other classes is set up, it's very hands-on. And I can't do that from home. It's not like they're lecturing a room full of students and you just kind of sit there and passively take it in for an hour and a half. You are actively engaging in whatever's in front of you. Um, so like my, it was coming down to like continue going and risk it or drop out and start over. And yeah, that's fair. When I was not, I didn't want to do that because I was thinking like this could only ever happen to somebody like me, right? Somebody who has like just significant medical issues. Like my friends don't have to go through this, at least not for this reason. I knew other people who were having different issues, but it was because they had kids and they couldn't do with online classes and their kids trying to do online classes at home. And so yeah. I was, and then I was, so I was trying to deal with that. And I, and at one point I came home and I was complaining and I said, and essentially the gist of it was, why couldn't I have just been properly paralyzed? Cause I can walk. I, so that screws everybody up. People kind of assume because I can walk, they kind of, it's like they don't want to ask or they don't want to talk about the fact that I actually have trouble getting around. Uh, and so things get missed. I uh, was trying to deal with some stuff for my driver's license and I needed to kind of get like some stuff written on, on my file saying that I drive with some adaptions and my drive. And, but because I was born with this, there actually isn't a process for like how to actually go about this. I've been driving for 10 years and I finally kind of got around to thinking, oh, maybe I should tell them I drive with a left foot gas pedal. Um, but they're like, well, what do we do with you? They don't know what to do with me because normally they want to want you to like put you through an entire driving evaluation program. But like, I didn't need to learn, relearn how to drive. Like this is how it always existed. And so I was trying to deal with that and then because I've been locked, I often don't get flagged for certain things. Like 
one of my big thing, one, one thing that happened was uh, for uh, like when the fire alarm goes off, like fire policies, if I'm up, 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 up a level, right? Like on the third or fourth floor or whatever, I have to come down the stairs, um, which is really hard for me. I have a hard time breathing when that happens. And also I, go, I don't go very fast. And so I like, I don't get like, but if somebody's in a wheelchair, they'll often get flagged to go around and take the elevator down, but nobody flags me for stuff. Yeah. So that was frustrating. Kind of like in, in the middle ground, not, not fully invisible, but not, you know, looking full-fledged disabled. Yeah. And then, yeah, but when I was in elementary school, it was, it was a, it was actually a different issue. This was my medical condition seemed to have stabled out. Like it's, it's leveled out a little bit since I was a kid. So it's like not pretty, it's more predictable at least. But when I was younger, it was very unpredictable and ended up, I was, got very sick very quickly and I'd end up in the hospital a lot. And so I missed a lot of school in those early years. And like everybody just kind of decided not to deal with it, right? Yeah. Um, that like not my parents, my parents were trying that really hard to fix it. Um, but like the school board, the teachers, everybody were just like, oh, like, oh, she's the disabled girl. Of course, she's not going to be good at school. No, what happened was I missed literally half of kindergarten to third grade. I missed half of it. That's a lot of school. That's a lot of school. So I have like, I have, I I still have a very weird understanding of like basic math because nobody told me how to do it. And so like, and so they just kind of never wanted to fix it. So yeah, I, so at that that point, like they just kind of wrote me off. Like they assumed I wasn't going to do anything with my life. And so I spent a lot of time just trying to just get through that. <laughs> yeah, that takes a while to deal with and, and yeah. kind of just get used to. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess was, at, yeah. at the current point, what I mean, well, outside of school, because I know you're going to school, what are your current like goals going forward? I know obviously well, finished school is, is one of them, right? Is, yeah. Like I'd want, I'd like to do like some more advocacy. That'd be something I'd really like to do. Um, I was work by, I was working for, um, uh, I was working for a church actually here. Mm-hmm. They hired me on as a disability consultant. Um, Cause they were looking for somebody else, but I, I applied for or the position they were actually hiring for. And when they met me, you're like, oh, we actually need you to do something else. So I had to create a position for me to be a type of disability consultant for them. And then, which is which was awesome. I really liked doing that. And I was, I had a couple of years ago, I was, I applied for this program to go uh, to take part in, there's something called Daughters of the Boat, where they had like one, like woman, and I want one woman from each 
federal riding. Um, the way our, the Canadian government system is actually set up a little bit differently, like our, the entire country is set up into ridings and then we like individually elect like members of parliament and the number of, and each member of parliament is like attached to a political party and the, and the party that has the most members elected actually wins the election and forms, forms the government. Um, but then each, each riding sin have like one dealt like a young woman delegate come to the Capitol and speak in the house. Um, which, and I, I got to do that. I got to go and speak in front of, like speak in the House of Commons on education for people with disabilities. And I like broadcasted it on international television. So that was pretty cool. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I mean, advocacy is always a, always a fun thing to get into. I mean, obviously with the podcast is what I'm doing and working on building it but it's always good to do it on on some level for people that are at that point yeah be it you know coming on a podcast or talking to people in your community or outside of the community or just in general I mean I'm big about I mean everyone I'm around on a regular basis is aware of of you know my colitis and kind of the fact that I run a podcast for advocacy so it's I think it's like the well, for, for those of us that are diagnosed with something later in life and, and aren't born or something, I feel like it's that final stage that you get to. It's like, all right, I've accepted whatever I'm diagnosed with. Now it's time to help, help other people suffer less, which I mean, for me is the ultimate, you know, it's the ultimate goal is just to help other people suffer less. Yeah, that's, that's my goal as well. I, I'm kind of coming at it from a different perspective though. Like yep. I, um, was this is one of the reasons I wanted to be want to go into education is because I had such a hard time going through just public school, right? Like K to twelve. Yeah. Um. Actually, got easier once I hit grade eleven. Um. But um, like because I, I had such a hard time just doing that, and it was very specifically because of my disability. It was very that what that was it. Like if I didn't have a disability or if people around me were a little more, I don't want to say capable, but just kind of more willing to adapt to what was what was going on with me specifically, then I wouldn't have had such a hard time. So that's why I want to go back. Like, that's why I want to go into education and go back because that way I can fix it for the kids coming up behind me. Uh, that way they won't have such a hard time or they'll be able to say, oh yeah, she was the one who who really thought I could do it because no one really thought I could do it until later on. So that, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's my perspective on it. Yeah. And that makes, that makes sense. I got diagnosed right after I graduated. So I don't have that aspect of dealing with school. Yeah. With for me, my, uh, yeah. With yeah. my, um, my, you know, diagnosis of colitis, which I'm thankful for because I couldn't imagine that acting up in school and being stuck in the bathroom all day. That'd be horrible. Um, <laughs> I have got some stories <laughs> about just the weird stuff that happens to you <laughs> when, you know, you're disabled in elementary school. Just, oh, just I believe very it. weird stuff. <laughs> the weird stuff that happens. I believe it. 
So, yeah. so yeah, I don't have that perspective. I just have the perspective of, Hey, I was a normal functional person. And now I get a whole bunch of limitations and, and diet changes that, you know, weren't a thing before. So yeah. it, was, it was interesting, interesting to change, to swap over. Yeah. My, uh, I, I, people sometimes ask me that it doesn't happen very often, but people sometimes do ask me like, you know, what's it like to, um, like, kind of like, how do you feel about being disabled or what's it like kind of being disabled or whatever. And I'm always kind of, I always, I always kind of look at them a little bit funny. and like, I don't know, like my life's always been like this. Like mm-hmm. it didn't even yeah. occur to me until I was maybe, I don't know, as mm, I must've been a teenager. It didn't even occur to me until sometime I was, until that, at that point that I, my life was not normal. <laughs> right? Like, um, normal people do not have to, like, attach themselves to a machine every night and, like, you know, do all, like, don't have, like, 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 hospital-grade medical equipment shoved in their, uh, like, hallway closets. Like, um, so when people ask me that, I'm never, I'm never, like, I'm never quite sure what to say. Like, I don't know. Like, mm, <laughs> it's just my life. It's annoying sometimes, but, like, like I can tell you the experience of it but I can't tell you what I personally feel about it like that's just the way it's always been yeah we have those conversations on here a lot we kind of talk back and forth about the differences of being born with with a diagnosis or having it you know extremely early on yeah diagnosed with uh you know a, a chronic illness or a disability versus those of us that have to adapt over and I've always taken the standpoint where from my perspective I'm happy I got it at a younger age at 17. Now I don't have the school aspect of it because I'm sure that would have would have sucked. <laughs> but at 17, you know, I don't have a career, I don't have a job, don't have a family, don't have kids, don't have anything that's kind of set in stone. <laughs> so it gave me the you know opportunity. It was it was a rough transition, but at least a transition to get used to my new normal. Yeah. Because um, I see people later on where they have that, you know, they have the house, they have that new career, they just had a new kid. Or, you know, they just got married and now something pops up and it drastically changes everything. Yeah. Yeah, like, like with, for me, it's different because now I'm trying to figure out how to build my life kind of around my disability. Like, it's always been there, but like now I'm trying to like shift it because I've reached a point where, you know, I'm in my mid-20s. Like, I need to like move on to that next stage of my life. I need to find a career and like live independently I haven't actually figured out how to do some of those things um at this point just because of the amount of just stuff that I do and like that I need to do and that I do still need some help with um and so I'm like trying to figure out the best way to do that which is a little bit different which makes everything which makes some things harder to explain because I have to like explain like yeah I still live with my parents and that's combination of things one it's close to the university and I don't have to pay a lot of rent second is that like I don't know how I could actually live alone like I'm trying to figure that out like as well too I'd want to like if I could I would I'm just not sure if I reasonably could mm-hmm. so it's well like, yeah just just the um I guess the, the I was talking to Jay and Nico in the last episode that we did and He's also got CCHS and talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know, the, I know them well. You know, Jay. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, talking about the whole, just you know, the safety aspect of it. So if something happens and you're at the house by yourself or you live on your own, 
there's not that kind of secondary level of of I guess backup or protection yeah and yeah another that yeah no that makes sense and well another issue with me is that like I like I don't like I have the not breathing part but I also get when I get sick I get really sick like like I get that very high fever and I'm like stuck like I have to stay in bed and like attached to my machine except for like having to run to the washroom mm-hmm. um then I have to stay on the machine so I can't really do a lot um the machine doesn't travel <laughs> it's, well it does except it's just it's awkward <sighs> so and I get very weak as well I can't quite it's harder for me to move around even more than it is at when I'm well so if something did happen which it always does um like what would happen if I was living by myself I don't think that's a good idea so I'm just not quite sure how to go about that so I've reached yeah. a point where I have to like try to explain that I still live with my parents even though though oh. I'm in my mid-20s and it's uh, I get that I obligated the past couple of years I've been renting a room but I still have a roommate so it's always it's always interesting not living on your own explaining oh yeah by the way I have a roommate or yeah somebody else that I live with on a regular basis and and currently I have a, a female roommate so that's always always fun when it comes to dating <laughs> but which, hey. yeah yes. exp- explaining that one to someone that you might want to date so I'm just like okay yep not even going to focus on that not even going to mention it yeah and then oh boy uh, yeah dating with a disability is like then you have like you have the like you have that and then you have to like oh yes and by the way here are all my like a thousand medical problems that come with dating me so I, I know I'm a great human being and I'm super fun to be around but here's a giant list of things that you also have to deal with <laughs> <laughs> yeah and by the like, way <laughs> yeah so it's like now what so yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I, I find I find dating's always fun and like nine out of ten people just just forego talking after you know you bring up kind of a disability or health related stuff because they just don't want to deal with it which kind of nice to filter out quickly but it is it is annoying it's like you know I might have a broken butt but there's a lot of benefits <laughs> that come along to this like if you ever break yourself in the future wait, wait, wait. Join I, I the know club, how to deal like, with it <laughs> You'll have a great resource that you, that you happen to be with on a regular basis. So, uh, like, like, so, so yeah, it's 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 frustrating. I mean, I'm at the point where I'm just not even focused on it. I obsess over the podcast and the brand that I'm trying to build. So, yeah, yeah anything I mean, outside of that doesn't really cross my mind on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, like, I never, I I didn't date at all, like in high school or even in like, like into my like even in my first couple years of university I really I didn't date and so now I'm trying to and I'm like I don't know how to do this like I have no idea and and I haven't been on like a regular date in probably like eight years (laughs) yeah I went I try it doesn't really go well and so uh, and then so because then you have to like there's things I don't talk about, right? I don't explain like the ins and outs of just how much of my body doesn't work. Like, yeah. and then also because it's like, because like I 
don't breathe properly. My, my, I can't, my lungs don't work. I don't stand properly, but also because of my spine. Like this is a thing that happens. People don't always talk about this, but like, because it's my spine, it means that uh, sometimes the signals don't kind of get to my brain very quickly. And yeah. one of the side effects of that is that I will suddenly be like mid conversation. It's like, a, oh, I'll be right back. And I'd run off to the bathroom, but I didn't know I had to go to the bathroom five hey, minutes early. I so can relate like, with that with clients. Yeah, so it's like my the best. Oh dear, the worst is when that happens at work. I'm like mid conversation. It's like, oh, oh no, oh no. I have to like run, run, try and try and find the washroom. Um, because that's the nature of what I was doing in the school system. I was actually I was a substitute. And so I was going into different schools every day and it's like, oh my God, where's the oh, bathroom? You yeah, you don't know. Oh, God. Don't even know where the bathroom is. So, yeah, because colitis is like that where it's like you get you get like a minute, 30 second heads up when you're having colitis and it's like, you need to go. Your body's like, this is going to happen. You have 30 seconds to figure out where. <laughs> so, yeah. so I get that. It's always yeah. a fun, fun thing to deal with. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're somewhere like, Oh, when you have colitis, you know where every public bathroom is, wherever you're going. I do that too. It's like, yep. which is one of the reasons I really didn't like sub doing being a sub was that I like I don't like not knowing where things are I, because of the bathroom situation, of the fact that I can't have a hard time getting around, and so I often have to find different ways of getting around a building. Um, like where are the elevators? Like if I'm in the current like where I'm doing all my school stuff now like I always come in a different exit and go up the elevator where everybody else will go up like the main flight of stairs and so they're like oh wait there's an elevator in the building like yes it's right next to the coffee cart like there's a Tim Hortons <laughs> in the middle of the building like go to the Tim Hortons and then just turn like 90 degrees and so the elevator's right there but nobody actually knows that so that's why this is one of those things that like makes me really nervous about was about sub, being a sub so that's one of the I was trying to find other things to do and then there was a pandemic so I didn't have to worry about that so yeah <laughs> yep <clears throat> yep it's uh, access to a restroom is always interesting and and I know around here like even though a lot of things have still opened back up a lot of places haven't like opened up their restrooms and stuff again since the pandemic that's weird. So I'm just like, okay, we're not going there anymore. Like, let's <laughs> not do that. Yeah, I was, um, I went to like an art exhibit the other day and I was, I was like, think I was trying to figure out like where the bathrooms were because just the way it was set up, like it wasn't super obvious. And so I was going through it and like, I was like trying to figure it out. And then I got to the end and like, oh, good. But I found them. I like, I had to like race off to the bathroom because I suddenly found it. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, good old bathroom problems. <laughs> yeah. One of those had, yes. It's like, yeah. Like the one, it's like those things that people don't tell you about, tell you that you have to worry about. Yeah. It's like, like, yes, the bathrooms are always the most important. <laughs> Where are the like, washrooms? Oh, hey, by the way. <laughs> yeah. This is your new reality. Have fun. Yes. Yeah. 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 <sighs> so what else do you want to tell people about? What else is important that people should know? Because I know I get 
a little variety from everybody now. If it, I, got, I got a lot of a lot of CCHS people now. This is it, it's interesting. I mean, I know Nico's the source of most of it in diversibility group, but yeah. um, it is interesting how I have like groups of diagnoses that talk. Like I have a lot of people that have talked about Elder's Danlos syndrome, mm-hmm. a lot of people that have talked about dysautonomia. Yeah. Crohn's and colitis, obviously, because I pull people from the Crohn's and colitis community. There's a ton of groups from it just because I understand what it is. But yeah. it, it's interesting how certain like diagnoses get grouped together. Yeah, I mean, more about the I, advocacy space of things. Yeah, I mean, with the CCHS, like I don't actually have CCHS. I have yeah. an acquired version of that. Like CCHS is genetic. Um, like it's a mutation. It's a genetic genetic mutation, kind of like Down syndrome, but not. <laughs> it yeah. was this. It's the same thing. It's the same idea. The, the, I, the yeah, you more fall on the, Yeah, you more fall yeah. on the community, not. Yeah, yeah. Mine, I fall in the community, and the reason why it was, um, two things happened kind of at the, simultaneously because my like the. Where I lived, there was absolutely nothing. There was like I don't I don't live in a big center. I don't live in like New York City or Boston or Toronto or somewhere where there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I live in Saskatchewan. I live in Canadian Nebraska, <laughs> which middle of nowhere. Literally, literally the middle of nowhere. There is like if you look on a map, it, I live in Saskatoon. You can actually put your finger on it, and it's literally literally the middle of the country and. The closest big city is probably Edmonton. Yeah. How far Edmonton. away is that? Six hour drive. Oh. At okay. least at least six hours. Oh, Calgary boy. again is six. Um Winnipeg is the opposite direction. That's a solid eight hours. So There's you a are of, literally in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> literally the middle of nowhere. And I live in the biggest center in the middle of nowhere. And so um and there's like 300, no, yes, 300,000 people, 400,000 people here. Um, and it's kind of it. So there's Saskatoon and then there's Regina, which is a little bit smaller than us. Then like, that's it. And so I live in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so when I was born, like just kind of mayhem ensued, right? Cause what did we do? Um, but my mom's parents are in Ontario. So they were able to get a little more information just by asking people and going to the library. And eventually they found somebody who was attached to the CCHS network. I'm not quite sure how, but they did. That was how we found the congenital, the, C, the, the, the genetic CCHSers. That was how we got attached mm-hmm. to that community. But at the same time, my dad actually worked with somebody who knew somebody whose kid actually had CCHS. So, um, so even being in the middle of nowhere, you're mildly found connected one other to person. Yeah. yeah, we found one other person. and Because yeah, I had we, never heard of it until Nico came on. Yeah, um, it's very rare. I'm not sure the exact numbers anymore, but there's 12 or 1300 approximately. It might be a little bit higher than that. Like yeah. known cases in the world. Um, so it's very rare, but that was how we got attached to the, the genetic people was, but it really, my grandparents found 
somebody who is in charge of the network and they gave the, like the chain of information kind of flows, uh, flowed down, but because there aren't that many of us, we, and like if one person gets involved with something, it generally kind of flows kind of just down the chain of just kind of through the network. Mm -hmm. um, like, especially with like people like Nico, he was very involved with all of this. So he will tell, he gets involved with something and then we will kind of find out about it. And then there's various, various things like that. Um, and we're so, there, and we're also, a lot of us are very, well, we're not all super close, but we go to, we have these conferences once, uh, once every couple of years when we go, it's really quite interesting to watch what happens because we haven't seen each other in four years because we live all over the place. Yeah. And then we kind of get together and it's, 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 it's wild to watch because it's like we're best friends again. Um, because that because there's because nobody knows what's going on, it's kind of it's, we kind of latch onto each other in a weird way, but we don't have to explain it. So, yeah, yeah, there's that level of comfort and understanding that's just easy to work with. Yeah, um, yeah, I was actually in uh, I think I was in a hotel lobby during one of these conferences, and I was kind of sputtering and coughing a little bit and somebody's mom comes up to me and goes mariah you need to go have a suction and like walks out and like what like how did you know that <laughs> but because like, it, it was just the same noise right that yep. people just know what was going on and i was walking through a hotel i was walking through the hotel one at one point during one of these conferences and somebody was turning off their medical equipment and i like my brain was like why is my ventilator beeping i'm out in the hallway why is like why is it shutting off and it like <laughs> took me like another minute to go oh wait that's not me <laughs> it's somebody else <laughs> somebody else yeah. like how often does that happen that literally never happens to me and so i couldn't figure out what was going on anyway yeah it was it's it's interesting. I love to go to these conferences though because like you don't have to explain so much about your life. Um, just and you don't have to explain everything. You don't have to explain that you have a ventilator or that you know you have a trach tube or why. And that's really good. And then like people will sometimes come to me and ask me for things because for different reasons. Like I've been coming to these conferences for so long, but also I live in the middle of nowhere. And these conferences are always held in like Disney World. And so I have to fly down there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, a lot of people with CCHS don't fly. Um, and the reason why is just because they don't know how to, they, there's a lot of medical equipment and people sometimes don't feel comfortable taking that on a plane. Yep. And so, yep. But I do. I fly quite a bit. Actually, my grandparents are in Ontario. I have to fly out to see them. My dad's actually American, and so my dad's family is in the states. And so, and so I fly around quite a bit. And people like people will ask me how I do that, um, and I have to explain to them. I, I got a new machine a couple of years ago, and. My favorite thing about it is that it doesn't scare airport security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it's airport approved. It's airport approved. I'm actually not kidding. There's a sticker on it that says airline approved. <laughs> yes, it looks like something they recognize, right? Because it's the same brand as like a CPAP. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, with like what the like the the nose mask thing. That's the same brand, and so people will kind of rec they at least recognize the brand, even though the machine might look a little heavier duty than some of the C the CPAPs. But they recognize the brand and at least go, oh, okay, this is probably that, right? Um, or something like that. My old one was like like from like two thousand and was like from two thousand and five. And so it looked a little bit like a looked a little bit like a bomb. Like it had like the old style like green neon letters, um, mm -hmm. and it just would freak them out. And so I had to like prepare like an extra like half hour just to get through security. It's like because I have to swab everything down, and which I understand why they had to do that. But like one thing that frustrated me was they went through. We went through airport security once and we were uh they're like pulling stuff apart it's like you can touch the machine but you know not the sterile tubes like don't touch that yeah like that's to be like perfectly clean and they're like touching it all and like at one point we thought they actually broke it when we got when we, were, we got when we finally got to our destination we thought they had broken it they realized we just weren't connecting it like something had come disconnected and we weren't putting it back together properly but like that 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 was frustrating and so it it's not easy yeah but I figured out all these kind of weird weird little things and then yeah so <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. This seems to be going super not going very well. I didn't like have a whole speech prepared. So no, you're good. You're good. Um, it's I'm I'm a little out today, so it's okay. Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, my brains. So. <clears throat> oh, it was today. Today's Sunday. Yeah. Today's Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Today's Sunday. So Wednesday, the air conditioning went out here. Oh no! So since Wednesday, and it, and it it was fixed yesterday. So since mm -hmm. Wednesday, I've been running, getting like three hours of sleep a night. Oh no! <laughs> so my yeah. brain's a little slow, but no, you're you're good. That's okay. Yeah, my uh oh, here's another as I another issue about my my condition is that I actually have a hard time regulating my body temperature, and so mm -hmm. when I have a tendency to get really really hot. Uh, so like if the when the air conditioning goes out here like that is like that that's not that's not good um we at one point we'd my parents were doing some renovations to the house and they actually took out the air conditioner we had to like get a special temporary one put in because i actually couldn't exist in that heat yeah without air conditioning. super humid and, and well it, it doesn't get humid here um oh like, okay yeah we like, have high humidity and it drives me oh it's gross it's yeah. not easy. We don't we we don't have like like we never get to him with here. Uh the one time like when it does, it's like nobody like nobody knows how to function. And so um, but when I got that, when still when it gets hot, even that dry heat, like I just I couldn't function 
at all. I, like I, my, my, I will like wilt like a flower and I like fall, I just kind of disintegrate where I stand and it's like, I just lay there on the floor. So yeah, which is not, is not good. So I was like, yeah. I have like all these weird little things I kind of have to keep track of like, you know, like how um, there's like my heat and the, the, the my temperature, my bowels, my breathing. And it's like, I got to deal with all of that. That's just make sure I can function. Right, I could just stay upright, and then I have all of these other things I have to deal with. I actually went to I was getting some treatment for my my muscles. Like my muscles are actually really tight in some places. Like they're practically spastic. So like they're so I can't move my move certain joints in my body really well. <laughs> and so what they wanted to do is they wanted to inject some like medicine into these muscles to try to relax make them relax and I was going and I went and I had this done one day and I come home I had been home for maybe 45 minutes not even and I get this phone call from my doctor and they had accidentally injected they didn't inject the medication they just injected saline into my muscles and these were like five like very painful kind of injections and so they had to have me come back and do it again and make sure they got the medication in me this time. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and like, I would not have been happy. No, I was not, not impressed. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, I was, uh, so I have to go back, get this done again. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, this is how come I forget stuff, right? Cause I'm like, I have to deal with um, like doctors and all of these other things. And so it's no wonder I would occasionally forget like when my exams are, cause I was just trying to wrangle doctor's appointments and uh, drive, like my driving things around what else was I dealing with? Disability services and student loans and all this stuff. And so God, that just happens. But like nobody else has to deal with. Well, everybody else has to deal with student loans, but it's just one well, of those yeah. things, right? Well, yeah, student loans is like the, the student loans and the house payments, like the peak of, of stress for everybody else. Yeah. And we're just over here like, God, if only you knew. <laughs> like medical, medical costs, nonstop appointments. Yeah. Rescheduling appointments, taking time yeah. off for them if you're working and <clears throat> yeah, I, I had mean, to miss I had to miss my one of my I had to miss class to get to get to, to get to this appointment. It was originally scheduled on a different day, but they had to move it. So it ended up overlapping with one of my classes. And I was like, and I was just like, oh no, because I had to reschedule it twice already. And at that point I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go. It's one 50-minute class. I will survive it. Yeah. Plus, it's just all of these stupid things we've got to deal with that I don't think like, and people don't kind of, people don't get that. That's just that the number of things we've got to deal with in just in a day, right? We have all this, like these small things that if we don't deal with them, things will actually fall apart and that nobody else kind of has to deal with. So, and yep. Yep. Some people kind of get this surprised by, like why we why, why it maybe sometimes why I will occasionally forget to do something or show a plate to something or submit something 
not like late, but like later than I intended. Cause I just didn't have time to deal with it earlier in the day. So, cause I had to deal with just other stuff. So, yeah. And then actually at one point, my, I thought my uh, trach tubes were being discontinued. And I still don't have a solid answer on this actually. Um, so that like the tube in me that actually, you know, keeps get, that allows air to get into my lungs, like that size I use might be, it might be discontinued. And so I spent I'd like an hour on the phone one day trying to figure out what had happened to what, like, is this true or not? Because somebody else had told me this. <laughs> and the, my company doesn't actually know if they're being, what was going on. My problem is, is that what often happens is the companies just forget to call Canada. They forget to call us. They forget that they have to tell us stuff. And so we just get the information last. And so I'm just thinking that this is going to happen where I go in to order more and they're like, oh, we can't actually get you anymore. They are being discontinued, but they don't know that yet because they just haven't been told that I was told another way. So that's going to be a mess that I don't yeah. want to deal with. Yeah, lack of information and communication causes a lot of a lot of issues in the, the chronic community. And yeah. I deal with it a lot when it comes to things that are like in network and out of network when it comes to my insurance, because you know, in America, <laughs> we don't have yeah. universal health care. So it's you know, there's all these different insurance companies and some doctors' office take your insurance, some labs take your insurance, some don't. Yeah. And your doctor just kind of sends stuff off and when they don't check. And see if it's in network or not and they have this test done well you know an out of network test can be a couple hundred dollars it could be a couple thousand dollars yeah i mean so, it's that lack yeah. of communication yeah i mean my my dad's family is in the u.s and they were talking about like how how to kind of wrangle this like the insurance and the in and out systems and um i my one, one uncle got so frustrated that kind of dealing with it both as a patient and as a doctor, my uncle's actually an MD and he's, uh, he ended up setting, he, his practice um, like deals with insurance in a super weird way because I'm not quite sure the specifics of it, but he won't actually, like he won't like deal with many insurance companies because like I think from his, he thinks that it's better, it's just cheaper to like not like from the patient for the patient as well as the practice to not actually to just kind of go around insurance. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that was his 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 perspective on it. So that was very weird. Yeah, so, it's a whole weird system. It's yeah, it's I don't weird know. For I can't the keep track provider of this. that has to charge the insurance. It's weird for the the actual you know patient who's got to deal with finding insurance and making sure it works for them and. I mean, when I got my job, they gave me a, you know, a bunch of options like, hey, here's all the insurance plans you can pick from. And I had to call each one, each provider and say, hey, under this plan, does it cover these medications? Wait, they, I'm surprised they let you choose which insurance plan. <laughs> so in the U.S., if you're a full-time employee, your, your employer generally has, they don't have to provide you with multiple. So yeah. Your employer says, hey, here's here's the plans that we we help pay with. Your employer pays a percentage of it, and then you pay a percentage of it out of your insurance. I work yeah. for a very large employer with a lot of employees, so they have multiple 
plans. I think there's three three insurance plans I can pick from. Yeah. Um, smaller companies, smaller you know employers, they they might only have one. Yeah. And if they're under a certain size, they're not required to. I think, you know, under a certain amount of employees, they're not required to have insurance or provide it for their employees. Okay. So it really just depends on, on the company and organization that you work for and how big they are. Okay. Uh, the smaller they are, usually the less options there are. The bigger they are, because the, um, the organization has so many employees, they can generally get better deals and more options from insurance companies because... And be like, hey, we have a thousand employees and they're going to use this insurance. This is going to be one of the three choices they have. So that, that provides a lot more business to the insurance companies. So it's, okay. it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Like it's a mess. My, I believe it. Yeah. Like my, like something, we have a slightly similar system just in terms of insurance, except it's for like private um mm-hmm. yeah you guys have like services private like, option yeah we have private options yeah like it'll cover things like uh like dental care uh eyeglasses physiotherapy kind of like the random stuff right yep. um but when you are you know when you're employed when they will only provide you with like one standard insurance company for like the whole company like my mom worked for the healthcare region here and she was with like one company. I don't think he was given an option. My dad works for the federal government. He 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 was, I think it was just one company for him as well. And so like it was, he was like, okay, here's your insurance. You are now with this company. He didn't get a, he didn't get to pick. So I just I found that interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I found that with a lot of people that are in co- other countries, because I've talked to some people in like Australia, um, and a couple of different places in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I find that anyone that has like universal health care of some degree, yeah, the government provides it usually for the citizens and people that you know live there for a certain amount of time. But yeah. there's also usually a private health care option as well, whether it's yeah. they go get it on their own, and they pay for it or specific and larger employers have like a secondary plan that covers that specialty stuff that's not covered normally. Yeah, it's the specialty stuff that's covered by our, our private insurance. Um, but the thing with our system is that for like, because I have also like mobility issues, I use like different mobility aids. Like I have a wheelchair and like a cane and different mm. things like this. That stuff isn't covered by Anybody. public the public system. And so I have to go through the private system to get my wheelchair covered. And so um, it was... Like, luckily for me, I actually had insurance through my university, oddly enough, as I was a full-time student there, mm-hmm. I had I had health insurance. And so I was able to submit, like, I was able to get my wheelchair covered through them, but, like, trying to get it covered was... It's a process. It was a process, yeah. And so I felt really bad for my poor doctor. Like, I That's kept going back I... to my family doctor, and I was like, I'm sorry. I think by the third time I showed up, I'm like, I'm sorry they rejected it again. That was just what I said. And she's just like, okay, fine. <laughs> I said I needed to buy her a box of cookies or something because I kept showing up. I was like, I showed up like three times in three months with the same problem. And it was about insurance. And so I felt so bad. <laughs> that I felt I actually feel kind of bad for my GP because see, like just the way this kind of the way things work out was because I was like born with this, right? When like they when I was a kid, I think they 
like I was very specifically looked after by like specialists and um, like a like a like a pediatrician like in the hospital. Um, mm. They did all of my care. And then when I aged out, <laughs> I just had to go into like regular family practice. Um, and so my poor my poor GP, she was she she's trying to see sorting it out now, but I it's like dropping a bomb on. Felt bad. I felt like I dropped a bomb on her. And then another issue about this is just where about where I live is that there aren't a lot of specialists like specialists here who will actually know what to do with me <laughs> um, because so well I had I had some good doctors when I was a kid and then I aged out of the system and then I was I was technically put on this one guy's caseload but he really he didn't want to deal with me he didn't want to deal with me he wanted to retire, so he was trying to scale down his practice, but nobody else was actually qualified to take Work. me on. The, take me on. Yep. And so, and yeah. then so I met with him at one point, and he was not pleasant. No. No, not because what happens is is that it's a combination of things. It's because CCHS is so rare. And the acquired version is even more rare. Like he like didn't believe it existed. Um, he was like, you would just have sleep apnea. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> um, I can, and so he like ran another test on me. And the guy who like actually did the test, he goes, huh, yep, you actually have central hyperventilation. I'm like, I could have told you that, but this guy was not paying attention. And so, but like we did this test and then he never took me on as a patient again. And so, yeah, and then I like was bounced around to like different respirologists. And there's one guy took me on and the my friend, the way my friend described it was funny. And he goes, he was like, did he just did he like draw the short straw that day? And like, yeah, I think he did. Because <laughs> they had to like page somebody and I'd ended up in the hospital because I didn't have any outpatient care. And so I ended up in the hospital on like antibiotics. It was just a whole, it turned into a whole fiasco. And they had to like call somebody in from, from the respirology department because that was what had like malfunctioned. It was my lungs. And so they had to call somebody in and they just, he drew the short straw and he had to like take me on as a patient until they could find somebody who was actually qualified to take me on. I said that the poor guy would like break out into a cold sweat if he saw me coming. Because he was a rust, he was an asthma doctor. He didn't know what to do with me. He didn't know. <laughs> so oh. He had no idea what to do. He's like, okay, but like nothing really bad happened, but he was really taking the lead from us. He was like, I was like, I think I knew what drugs worked. And so at this point, he was just like, he was just kind of like in charge of refilling my drugs. He goes, says, okay, do you need more of this? Yes. Do you need more of that? Yes. Do you need more of this? <laughs> yes. Okay, and then uh, he's like, I'm just gonna take an x-ray just 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 to check. I'm like, okay, because he, he didn't know what to do, but he was he was trying. I was he was so they finally got somebody in there who uh was more qualified. He goes, I'm I'm bumping you to bumping you to him now. It's like, thanks, guy. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate the effort. Thanks for giving me drugs. <laughs> it was just a mess. I'm a cure. So, well, yeah yeah and 
I mean, going back to the to the the struggles of getting um, medical equipment with with your insurance, private oh. insurance. That's that's what we as Americans deal with whenever we want anything in the medical yeah. field, like at at all. We want a yeah. test run? We we got to go through that whole get it approved. How much we got to pay for it? Justify it. If it's not justified, the insurance company denies it, and then you got to go fight it and try to get it justified so they'll pay for it. Oh, I, yeah, that's just a, it's like an everyday norm in America. Yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty bad system. It, yeah, you think there'd be a slightly, you think there'd be a better way of dealing with it? Like, uh, I just, I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah, but nobody wants universal health care in the U.S., sir. They think it's going to destroy our, our country. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've had universal like, health care here yeah. since I think that. I want to say the 50s or 60s. There's so many countries that do it and they do it perfectly well. Yeah, and I mean, from my understanding, they function better than our normal healthcare system. So this is people don't want to, I don't know. Yeah, don't I mean, weird, weird things happen when the, in the public systems as well. But like each system's got its problems, but like that's, that's, it's like, which is worse, right? So like... I just like the option of, of there should be like a standard level of care that's covered. Yeah. That makes for sense. those yeah. of us that need more, like I should be able to get it through my, my employer or something. Yeah. That makes and that's, sense. that's kind of the argument I've had. And I've had it with some people that like everything it needs to be free. I'm like, there should be a level of, of free healthcare yeah. that everybody gets that covers a lot of your normal stuff, your normal checkups, yeah. You know, labs, making sure that you're functional and to help you diagnose something. Like if you're yeah. having a hard time, help you diagnosis, get a diagnosis. But once you're diagnosed with a specific thing and you need to see a specialist on a regular basis or more complicated stuff, then maybe have a secondary level of insurance that covers the extremely expensive stuff. Yeah. I mean, like one thing that like is good here is like here you can walk into the like ER or just about anything um like like for me it was always you know malfunctioned lungs or um my younger brother my youngest brother is and the most canadian thing i think i've ever said he's played hockey since he was a he wanted to play on the timbit hockey team when he was three he didn't do that but he's played hockey all the way up um he um he but he would quite regularly injure himself because he was also a goalie and so he was like he would always take the hits from like everyone and everything. And so he would, you know, get banged up at hockey practice and then go to the hospital and kind of get, uh, they'd have to patch him up and send him home and didn't have to charge for that because my brother just he wanted to be a goalie. And so he, they whipped the pucks at him going super fast. And then, so you don't have to pay for that, which is good because he's just, that's just the way it works. And like a, my, my dad got really sick once and he had to go into, he had to, like, he would ended up with needing a lot of care, and we didn't have to pay for that. So, all of that, I firmly think is a good thing. But with, like, with some cases, they will like kind of like judge how much this is going to charge the taxpayers or charge the healthcare system, and so they like think about that sometimes when they're providing care, and that annoys me because. Yeah. Like that's not good. Like, it's everybody pays into it for the people that need it. Yeah, like, and and that's the whole point of it. It's a good, you know, a good chunk of people don't need 
that extreme healthcare. But for those yeah. of those of us that do, a lot of the time when we have you know more medications and more diagnoses, the more the more we're dealing with, the more expensive it gets, and the more we're dealing with, the less likely we are to actually be able to pay it because you know we have a harder time working or we're mm-hmm. taking time off, we have less energy, we have yeah. more limitations. Like I'm in facility management, I keep buildings functional for the yeah. for the organization that I work for. And I make sure everything works. If something breaks, I take care of it or bring people in to take care of it. I went to school for automotive to be a mechanic. Yeah. And I would love to be a mechanic. I would love to specifically be a diesel mechanic. And I would make a lot more than I currently do now. And I actually just recently turned down a job for to be a diesel technician. And it just comes down to it's like my body's already pretty broken. My bones are pretty bad from all the prednisone and the steroids I was on. My energy levels are all over the place, depending on my colitis and how it's doing. So as much as I'd love to have that really, you know, nice diesel mechanic career that pays a lot of money, especially if when you're really into it, you can make, you know, six figures being a diesel technician Wow. on some like special, because, you know, everything runs off of diesel. You have locomotives, you have generator options, you have buses, trucks, boats, you cranes, construction equipment, like everything's diesel based. So there's a ton of opportunities to always work on it and make a good amount of money once you're a master technician yeah but i had to turn it down you know i I, my body is not in a great shape as it is and 25 years of turning wrench is not conducive to your health for someone that's fully healthy yeah let alone already someone that's already pre-broken yeah like my I, when I was working as a, in the school system and I've worked a couple other jobs, like where I would really focus on this, but I would, I was, I was very good at working with other kids, kids with disabilities. I was really good at that. Um, Cause like, for one thing, they'd, they'd often immediately trust me to help them with something, knowing that I'd be able to fix it properly the first time. Um, and I was just, I was good at it. I was naturally pretty really good at it. And mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually working in a lot of the special education classes in our school system. And I was also very good at that. And people were asked, would ask me, it's like, you know, you're, you're super good at this. Why don't you go and be a special ed teacher? And I'm like, I can't. I'm like, why? Like, you're perfect at it. Like, the kids love you. you. You know how to do this. You know how to deal with all of the crazy stuff that comes with this. I'm like, I can't. I just can't. And the reason why is because... I don't have enough energy. I was working in one of these classes once and the teacher who was in charge of the classroom, like he was really good. Like he loved his kids. He was doing everything he could to make sure like they could do what they wanted and they were, that they were learning and like, and like he was just great, but he needed so much energy to do it. He, like there's one kid in the class who needed to have some medical equipment in the room and they had like keep it like locked away um, at some point. And he was just the only one who had a set of keys. And <laughs> when somebody, another staff member asked what they were gonna do if he was out sick or if he couldn't come in for whatever reason, he goes, well, I'll just have to come in anyway. Like, I can't do that. I need to take time off. I need to be able to deal with my medical problems because like, I get really sick and need to stay home. And like, I can't function. So I can't yep. do teach I can't teach in a classroom or be in a situation where I just need that much energy to function where 
like I'll kind of like have to come in anyway, even if it's just to hand over a set of keys. I can't just, I just can't do that. <laughs> and that I think kind of makes me sad because I really love to teach, teach special ed. I'm good at it. I like it. Um, and I also understand just how important like education is to not just like everybody in general, but like also to kids like with like intellectual disabilities, just how important some of this is. Um, like my aunt has Down syndrome. And the one thing she wants more to, than anything is to, is to be able to read, like be able to really read. That's mm -hmm. what she really wants. And she also has her math understanding is interesting. Um, and so we'll like, so I understand how important that is, but I kind of can't do anything about it specifically just because of my energy level. And that's, yeah, I, that drives me crazy. Yeah. Energy level is a massive barrier of entry yeah. for the chronic and the disabled community. It's, just, oh, it's definitely. Massive, massive barrier because everything we're dealing with, it just sucks so much energy out of me. And yeah. I've been super low on energy since I've gotten my COVID vaccination. Oh, yeah, I, I I got it around one of my infusions, so I don't know if it messed with my infusions. Yeah. I don't know if it happened to just be the timing of it, and it's something else. I need to go to prim my primary care, and we're going to do, like, you know, full workup of labs and everything. Maybe I'm just vitamin deficiency. Yeah. Who knows? But it's still this, this you know, lack of energy that affects my day-to-day. -day. Yeah. And so, it's a common thing for people with chronic illnesses and disabilities. Yeah. And like, and all these and other things kind of suck energy from it, like dealing with just kind of the miscellaneous, like paperwork, for lack of a better word, that you have to deal with, like with insurance and with, I don't know, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the American version of this is, but like, like probably like the DMV, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, I mean, we have, yeah, we kind of have a version of that hero. It's just called SGI. Um, it took me 45 is, minutes the other day to call and change an appointment time with my doctor. A two-minute yeah. phone call took me 45 minutes to do because they were busy and they were on lunch and I had to call back. It's just like all this, all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's just all of this stuff that we have to deal with that other people just don't. And we have to like actual, like, schedule time in our day mm -hmm. um, to kind of deal with it like oh we got to do some labs oh we forgot to tell pull this lab can you come back in for more labs like <laughs> oh by the way you have to fast before you take these labs so you can't eat up until this point yeah. or hey you need a yearly appointment just so you can get your medications or for me i i gotta get a colonoscopy every year so oh. i gotta go that's that's two days because i take I take the prep day off and I take the day of the colonoscopy off because, you know, I'm yeah. prep day. I'm glued to the bathroom and the day after I'm just, I'm tired and hungry and have no energy. Cause I haven't eaten anything in 32 hours. Yeah. Like, and then for me also, I have this a part of my issue is that because I live in literally the middle of nowhere, um, like for some of the more complicated tests, they sometimes have to run on me. I have to go to Calgary to do it. Yeah. So you got to take it. I have to take, I have to take, yeah. yeah, I have to fly there. I have to take it two days off because I have to drive there. And that's six hours one way, go to the appointment, do the test, and then six hours home. And, yep. and like, 
And this is just that's like for a one doctor's appointment or for a set of tests or yeah, there's one test they have to do on me called a, it's, it's a sleep study where they essentially glue a lot of wires to me and watch me sleep. It's not pleasant. Don't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, because you're totally going to sleep like you normally would at home with a bunch of wires glued to you. Exactly. And like, like they glue them to like my head and like my arms and like they like wrap things around my chest to like make sure everything's working. I'm like, because this is super comfortable. And yep. Now sleep. <laughs> I'll sleep yes anyway uh, but they can't do that here at least on me because they need a couple of other parts to run it on a, on a ventilator um that they just don't have here and so I have to go to Calgary to do it so six hours there do the overnight stay in the hospital and then depending on how functional the doctor is I sometimes will have to stay another couple of days before I can actually see the doctor to get the test results and it's yep. like to talk about I have to take test. I yeah it's like I have to take a week off from life to deal with that Your so sleep study yes so that it's just not good <laughs> so mm. like and this all this stuff kind of sucks sucks energy and time and all of this stuff just out of my regular life that I could be doing other things and that I don't like that's not great. <laughs> well, and then it takes, it, you know, it takes time to bounce back to your daily routine too. You take three or four days off to deal with something. Now you got to get back into your normal routine. And it's like, it's, it, it takes a day. You got to reset. It yeah, it really does. So no, I get it. And it's, it's fun. Yeah. Fun, yeah. fun, fun. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's, yeah, and then yeah, about how a chunk of my issue is also just because of where I live, but it's this is it's still it's just extra issues to deal with. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, <laughs> all right. I feel like this might be a a good stopping point. Unless you have anything else you want to add on to it. Uh, uh any no. any um any advocacy pages or thing that you're you're involved in that you want to kind of talk about or plug i always let uh, people if they're if they're part like if they do their own stuff and they want to throw their website in or i i write uh for i occasionally write on a site called the mighty um okay. you can find me on there i do have my own i do have i do some stuff on my instagram account um which is um mariah underscore hillis um I'm, I'm on there so it's uh m-a-r-i-a-h underscore h-i-l-l-i-s i always have to spell that out for people um but so you can find me on there i do some advocacy on there uh i sometimes do some stuff on my facebook page so that's just yeah you. so yeah it's under that's under mariah hillis as well so yeah this was right. great i followed you with the with the podcast instagram that's going to change soon i need to get a new logo but okay it'll be changed by the time this episode comes out but all right <laughs> i uh, i appreciate you coming on thank you guys for stopping by and listening to the podcast i appreciate everyone make sure you guys stop and check out chronicliving.info got a new website up and running that's going to be the main area to find all the social media content as well as accounts 
So make sure you guys stop by if anyone's looking to share their story, volunteer, either time or experience. There's also going to be some links on there of how you guys can get involved. As always, I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you in the next one.